Father, we just surrender ourselves into thy hands, O Lord. We thank you, Father, that you are not dependent upon any of these things to hear our prayers. If you were dependent upon electronics to hear our prayers, O Lord, we would all fail, Lord. We thank you, Father, though none of us heard online, yet you heard. But for the sake of your people, once again, I pray, Lord, empower us to hear, to believe, to obey, so that we can both live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Once again, we thank you that we serve a God who is not constrained by any limitations of man. From the beginning, before there was anything, till today, you hear your children who cry out, Lord. Speak to us, Father. Give us hearing ears, O Lord, that even today when I am preaching, your children are not dependent upon the word that man is speaking, but their hearts and spirits will be open to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit who will speak through the message. Give us those ears, O Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. So let's go to the word. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 18 is the first word I have for you today. The final word of uh, Apostle Peter in his final epistle. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. There are two things. Peter, the first apostle who spoke on the day of Pentecost. He is the one God used to begin the the church on earth, the first voice of man through whom God spoke. And his final words are we need to grow in two things, in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace is one big word. It actually encompasses the entire work of God through his Holy Spirit. We know in 1 John verse 14, scripture says how Jesus came, full of grace and full of truth. And that's how we beheld the glory of God in flesh when Jesus walked in that way. Yeah, we don't, even if you don't have it up on the screen, it's fine. He came full of grace and full of truth. To a point we can understand what growing in truth is as the knowledge of God. But the question is, How does one grow in grace? And why is it so important to grow in grace? And what is the primary manifestation of grace? Grace has its, like, it's like a spectrum. Huge manifestations in different ways. But what is the primary manifestation of grace? Because the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Grace. So first we will look at John chapter 3 and verse 18. 3 and verse 18. Or 3, 8, 3, 8, not 18, 3, 8. John 3, 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So it talks about the work of the Spirit. It says, and it compared, like I said, the Holy Spirit is the one who actually does all the work of God. That is why, unlike the Father and the Son, You have so many symbols describing the Holy Spirit. You don't have that about the Son or about the Father. But it's about the Holy Spirit because of the way He works for us to understand. 
for us human beings who are finite, how to understand how the infinite God works, you know, the Holy Spirit is given to us as wind. So the thing about the wind is nobody can see the wind, like the fan is going round and round, nobody can see the wind. But like when you see the curtains moving, you see the effect of the wind. So it is, we cannot see with our eyes the Holy Spirit, but we will know the effect of the Holy Spirit moving in the lives of people. And we know Jesus' final words to his disciples was, don't leave Jerusalem. Tarry in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem until you have received power. Now, subsequent to that day of Pentecost, you will not see anywhere people having to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. So please understand this. It's not like afterwards. You don't see people waiting. People were either ignorant of it or they maybe had blocks, but nobody had to really wait if they were ready. They received the power of the Holy Spirit. It was only to the first group God told them to wait because 10 days, whatever it was, their preparation down on earth and the work in heaven, we do not know. There was a period of waiting for the first set of people. After that, we don't see waiting. Okay. So the question is, what was the power that was infused into the church on the day of Pentecost? Because Pentecost is coming. Today is Thursday, right? Two more days and it is the Pentecost Sunday. So the question is, what was the power that they really lacked which Jesus had? Okay, because when we get confused, like now why are we having trouble? Because we have a power outage. So we always have these ways of looking at power. Okay, the AC is gone. Okay, so we had to reshift the power. The inverter is only on this side or no, not that side. So we have to shift the pulpit all over. So whenever we think about power, we have our human understanding about looking at power, which we may completely miss out what the Holy Spirit is actually doing. Okay, I'm just trying to again save power. Okay, uh, some light on the subject and that light is enough. Okay, you can hear me clearly. We need to see with this power, man-made power lasts as long as possible. Otherwise, you will have the message cut in the middle. So the thing is that we think in terms of the power of miracles. Remember, Jesus had anointed them, the power that was upon him. And they went and did it all. And they were very, very excited. And Jesus said, don't get excited by all that. So it was also not primarily that nature of power they were lacking. If that was the power that was lacking, God already they already experienced it earlier. They went down, healed the sick, cast out, everything. He said, go do it. And they did it. Okay. So we go back and see... What Jesus, what actually transformed the church? What was the power of the Holy Spirit that transformed the church? Let us look at, like I said, from uh, John 13, 31 onwards till 17 end, uh, you see the incredible teachings of Jesus Christ to the leaven that is left. So first let us turn to John chapter 15 and verses 12 to 14. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And 17 verse 20 and 21. He shows them what is in him that did not have 
and what would happen to them when they received that power. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. You see, this was the key proof after the day of Pentecost that something had changed in the church. Okay, now remember this is a, this is a, this is a command. Okay, in John 15 you will say, uh, we will come back, back to later. Okay, it's a command, meaning you can actually choose it. Can actually choose it. You can actually do it. You can actually obey it. In Matthew 23 verses 37 to 39, when the lawyer asked him a question, when the lawyer asked him a question, this is Jesus' answer, 23. Oh, not uh, 23, I think it's 22, yeah. One symbol wrong takes one minute away. Got it? Yeah, 37. You can look at that. The, the, the numbers uh, are the same. Otherwise, 37. Jesus said to him, they asked him, what is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus' answer was this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And then he says, this is the sum total of the law. The whole entire law is this. And if you turn to Galatians chapter 5 verse 14, Paul says exactly the same thing through the Holy Spirit. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. The entire law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, now the Holy Spirit is now speaking through Apostle Paul. Now if you go back to Romans chapter 8 and verses 3 to 4, you will see what the new covenant life is. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but walk according or according to the spirit. So the question is, how do you walk in the spirit? How did Jesus condemn sin in the flesh? What caused him to condemn sin in the flesh? How do we fulfill the law in the spirit like he did? Is simply by loving. It's simply, it's a power of love that caused him to overcome. That is a power of the Holy Spirit. More powerful than anything, anything else. So the question so many people have is, and some of you may not at all have, that you may not have all the spectacular gifts of the Holy Spirit that you see in 1 Corinthians 12. But the question is, how do you live the life of Jesus Christ? If I don't have the gifts, you can live the life of Jesus Christ without any of these gifts. Still be an overcomer, even if you do not have any of the gifts. So nobody will be without any of the gifts because the Holy Spirit gives. But even if you do not have, a church can be powerfully endured by the Holy Spirit without any of these gifts. So the gifts are there. If you turn to Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Three things are mentioned over there. He has not given us the spirit of fear, but he has given us the spirit of power. And the first term I want to use, the term power here is again connected with the Holy Spirit. Remember, this is the power is the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have seen, we are not going into it, we have seen it. One day we will probably look at it in much more detail. One of the main endowments of the power of the Holy Spirit is one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life, which is called the fear of the Lord, which keeps you from sinning which just keeps you from sinning and which is absolutely important to overcome. The second endowment of the Holy Spirit, I am not putting in order as second, only be here in order. Second is the power to love. And the third is the knowledge of God, a sound mind, understanding about how God's mind works. Fear of the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit, supernatural power to love and the knowledge of God. So in Galatians 5.14, Paul is actually saying, this is the whole law. This is the entire thing. Right? He is saying, the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says, this is the entire thing on which the new believer's life is built. That we love God with all our heart, our mind, strength, and our love for our neighbor in the physical is the representation of our love for God. Because our love for God, nobody is able to really measure. It's more metaphysical. Our love for God. You, know, you can sing, you can do, but only God knows how much. But he says your love for your neighbor can be measured. It can be seen. And you cannot have one without the other. Okay? In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 10, you will see this both being balanced, the fear of the Lord and the love of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is out not of God. To practice righteousness, what do I need? I need the fear of the Lord. You avoid sin and walk in the ways of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. That has got to do with the love of God. The fear of God and the love of God is perfectly balanced here in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. So the question is, When God added just overnight 3,000 people, practically strangers, to the family of God in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, he proved to the people of Jerusalem, that is those who are living under the law, the power of the new covenant. What happens to a community when they are filled with the Holy Spirit? What happens to a community, a community of strangers who suddenly become one family? What happens when they are filled with the Holy Spirit? We saw the past week, to faith add virtue. Now if you go in the NIV version, the greatest of all virtues is the love of God. We are not saying love, but the love of God. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14, this is what the Bible says. Above all things, these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. This is the bond of perfection. What is perfection? If you want perfection, you want to be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect, 
He says above everything else, put on love. Meaning it is something which you have to choose. You have to do, you have to choose. And the thing is, this is not any human love. This is not any human love. In f- that's why this has to be taught. In First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13, after an entire discourse, this is what the Bible says. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Okay? Now we know in First Corinthians chapter 12 is an entire manifesto of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how it works. 14 is an entire manifesto how it should be allowed to work within the church. The gifts and the administration, both are of the Holy Spirit. But when we come to chapter 13, the most important words ever written about what love is. Nobody has ever bettered it in life, in human history. Nobody can better chapter 13. It gives, tells you what love is and what love is not. And you cannot escape it. There's no way you can escape it. You look at it and you realize what is true, God's love, and what is not. If you turn to First Corinthians chapter 13 and read verses 1 to 3, it demolishes everything. Everything. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And verse 3, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. And one of the first things you need to realize is whatever is described in verses 1 to 3, can be achieved and done without love. And that's the, that is the most scary part of it all. Because we look at these things as manifestations of a true believer's life. Wow, look at their works. Look at their sacrifice. The Bible says you can do all these things without the love of Christ, without the love of God, and be still be counted Nothing in the kingdom of God when the judgment day comes. That's the scary part of it. You can do all these things. And the subsequent verses describes what love is and what love is not. We're not getting in there now. We'll look at it all this in detail. We saw when the Holy Spirit first, we will look, look at it in detail because it's the most important part of a believer's life. The most important part in a believer's life. We saw in James chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, he came in as wind and fire, cloven tongues. And scripture says in James 3 and verse 2, the nature of the tongues. Everything is working, no? Right? Yeah, okay. No, no, that's a different thing. It's going on. Okay, you to be slow but going on. Okay. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, but also able to bridle the whole body. He says we stumble in many things. But if you do not stumble in word, he's a perfect man. We need to remember that. 
the greatest two things, like we know in the Bible, like if you let's go over there, Ephesians 4 and verse 15, two things of God, in which we are asked to imitate. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things in him who is the head Christ. Okay, Both true and love are first expressed in words. Both are expressed in words. Okay, in speaking. If you want to say something that is true, you express in words. If you want to be, express something in love, you express in words. And the Bible says, one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit when He comes in power is your manifestation or your expression of both truth and love. You don't stumble. You don't stumble. In Matthew chapter 5, in the great Sermon on the Mount, verses 43 onwards, Jesus talks about this perfection. You have, 43, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do not do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who are spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. We now we talk about being led by the Holy Spirit, being matured sons of the Holy Spirit, of God. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. If or if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? For if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now you suddenly see God is talking about another perfection. And this is only possible through the filling of the Holy Spirit. One of the primary manifestations of the filling of the Holy Spirit is how we love people changes. And that's why First Corinthians 12 is entirely about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and everybody loves it. And the Bible says, desire all this. Desire all this. And then 14 talks about how it should work in the Holy Spirit. I remember a long time ago I preached, I said these are two slices of bread and 13 is the jam in between. It is what makes the kingdom of God manifest on earth. In Galatians 5 and verse 21, Yeah, 521. Okay, let's go further down. 22, sorry. That's all the works of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. 21 tells about what are the works of the 1922 of the flesh. But when it comes to Galatians 521, it is telling us this is the fruit of the Spirit. And it begins with love. Love. If you abide in the Spirit, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then this will be automatically manifested. Automatically manifested. You cannot, you don't even have to worry about it. It is there or it is not there. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Yet there is a, remember, every work of God, there is a work of man. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us, but cleanse yourself. God speaks, but I have to hear. God says, do. I have to choose to obey. So that, because God does not uh, interfere with human will. He will tell us everything that we have to do and in my will I have to make a choice. 
Okay, and when I make that choice towards God, that's when the power of God is manifested. If you again turn to First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verses eight to ten. Okay. Love never fails. Okay, that's a continuation from four onwards. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. What is that is perfect that will come? It's love. You know, when a community of God's people learn to love the way God loves, even if you don't have any of these things, it does not matter. You'll come through. All the gift ceases. It still does not matter. Every gift ceases. It does not matter. Even if you do not have great knowledge about, it does not matter. Because you have an inherent knowledge of who God is through the very fact the love of God is being released into that community. When the perfect comes. So here perfection is the very nature of God. That God is love. Now let me explain. Okay. Because in English all languages except Greek. As far as I know. We all use the same word for all feelings. We call it love. I love my wife. I love my children. I love books. I love certain kinds of food. Though we use the same word, it can't be the same emotions, right? It can't be the same emotions. Like people love their pets. It can't be the, so we use the same word to express different things, okay? And now, GTC especially, we have become all experts in Greek and, but we fail in the real thing, okay? So in Greek, we know four different words are used which is translated as love. We have words like philia, we have words like eros, we have words like storge, and we have words like agape. We are all experts now. But, let's get into the nitty-gritty of it. Eros, primarily eros. Okay, It has been manipulated into different things, but primarily how it is intended, primarily, is it is strict in the strictest sense, is the sexual love, affection between a man and his wife. Eros. Strictly have God intended Eros is the sexual love, affection between a man and his wife. In so many ways, if you look at it, Eros cannot be chosen. You can think someone is attractive. You think can think Appreciate somebody is stunning, but somebody is handsome, but you can't fall in love with them. Eros, so incidentally, can be constructive or destructive. Eros can keep a couple together. Eros misdirected can create havoc. So against Eros, around Eros, we build Big walls. Big walls. But Eros primarily cannot be chosen. If you go to Genesis 29 and verse 18 and then verse 20, we understand it. And Jacob loved Rachel. 
Now you ask him, why did you love, why do you love her? He has no clue. He met her by the well and he fell in love with her. He doesn't love Leah. And she's a nice woman. But he doesn't love her. He loves Rachel. She loves Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And verse 20 says, Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they only seemed as few days to him because of the love he had for her. This love is primarily that love which is called Eros. Which you just fall for somebody. And that's why English uses that term, fell in love. But like I tell you, it can be constructive, it can be destructive. But in so many ways, people do not have much control over it, so you build walls. That's why whenever father, parents, especially the fathers and mothers, whenever a boy or a girl comes and says, I like this girl, their BP goes up. Why do the VP go up? Because they know the nature of it in one way or other. It can be extremely destructive. No, it's a gamble. You know, hit or miss. Sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss. In Judges chapter 16 and verse 4, 16 and verse 4, this is what scripture says. After it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Now it is, now it's going to be destructive. This guy just, there was no walls. He hadn't put walls. His parents tried, but those walls, he broke all those walls down. Okay. And now he sees Delilah and she's a pretty Philistine girl and he falls for her. And you know when that things happen in the church also, in believing families, it's impossible to persuade them. They'll say no. Parents give up, pastors give up, everybody gives up. Because they know. There's very little you can do. The only way you can counsel them when they fall out of love. And he falls in love with the wrong person who will take everything away. It will cost him everything. His anointing, his purpose, his vision, and ultimately his life. So all the warning signs are posted in the Bible. Be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful about Eros. Eros is dangerous, very, very dangerous. After a man and a woman have come together under a covenant, Eros is good. Other than that, Eros can be very, very dangerous. But the problem about Eros is that there is not much choice about it. All you have to do is put walls around to see that you don't fall. You don't fall. Okay. In Second Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, and then 14 and 15, you see one of the worst cases of Eros as it is shown in the Bible. After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar, half-sister. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin. It was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. So you are seeing now, Eros going haywire. This is his half-sister. We know the entire story. He had a friend who was a crook. He said, this is how you'll do it. He pretended to be ill and asked his sister to come and feed him. And then he shuts the door. He rapes her. And once that is over, we will see in verse 14 and 15 what happens. 
However, he would not heed her voice and being stronger than she, he forced her, laid with her. And then Amnon hated her exceedingly so that the hatred which we hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. Okay, so you see the danger of Eros. The danger, the walls that. So when the Bible says, God so loved the world, it is not Eros. It's not eros. Love your neighbor as yourself. It is not at all using the term eros over there. Because with eros, often your will just goes bonkers. Goes bonkers. You don't have much of a choice. Then the second love which you have in Greek, which is we call philia, and we have the church of Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is supposed to mean brotherly love. Okay? Brotherly love, or basically it is what we would say, friendship. Now again, if you look at it, you can't really choose your friends. You can choose respect. You can choose kindness. You can choose to be friendly. You can choose to be friendly. But you can, I cannot say, you better be my friend. Children do that. No longer friends. Kati. All that. But friendship also, like Eros, you will see it just happens. It just happens. And we have the most beautiful description of this is in First Samuel chapter 18, verse 1 and 2. So when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Okay, and Saul took him that day and would not let him go to his father's house anymore. Something happened there, okay? Jonathan just loved, loved David. It's called friendship. And after that, it does not matter. See, this is the nature of like, I'll tell you. I just love Pastor Walson. Though I meet him maybe once in three years or four years. Because he is one of my first believing friends in Hyderabad. So it doesn't matter what he says or what he does. So people say nothing has changed it from the year 1992 to 2020. I mean, after so many years, we met at the airport and we hugged each other. It's just like we hadn't met for years together. Before that, we met at a memorial service. We were at both ends. We stretched forward and shook our hands. Okay. It's somebody you just, you just, you know, that's your friend. That's your friend. You just love that person. Why? There's no explanation. No, you know, there's no explanation to that. Okay? Do I talk to him? Do I meet him? No. Do I meet him? Do I talk to him? No. But does this like that? I have a friend in Britain. Okay? That's my first believer friend called Vergis. No? When do we meet? Once in 20 years. Or more. Okay? But nothing has changed. The minute you meet, it's like as if Time just stopped and started again. It's like a stopwatch. Okay, stopwatch. Now, it's not something which you choose in so many ways. Of course, there are so many factors that go into Celia too. Okay, but again, Jonathan, that also failed. Eros failed. Jonathan's love for David failed. At the end of the day, he died fighting on the wrong side. Okay, wrong side. All these things can fail. So please understand what philia means. It can't be given as a command. 
Pastors can't tell couples who come for counsel. Why don't you fall in love with her? It can't be given as a command. Okay? Why don't you choose him as your friend? Can be friendly. We always say that. Be friendly to each other. Be friendly with each other. Then you come to storge. Storge is primarily what is in a family. Filial love. Okay? Parents and children. Siblings. This is the most natural of loves. It was one of the most sad pictures you had of this lockdown was from one of the platforms in Bihar railway stations where the mother was lying dead and the toddler was pulling the sheet and walking around without knowing the mother was dead. Okay. The child doesn't know. The mom is dead, lying dead on the platform. But there is something the child is attached to that mother. And it is something that's natural. Storge. Okay. The family. So you will see parents love their children. Siblings, though they fight, at the end of the day, they still love each other. Okay. But storge also can fail. So you have stories all through history, including the Bible, when famine came, parents eating their children. And all through life you see parents aborting children, giving up children for a career. Okay. Storge can fail, Eros can fail, Philia can fail, and they can all become destructive. Jacob's love for Joseph goes beyond Storge to become an idol of Storge. It can become destructive. Okay? And the thing is that the Bible actually mentions the love of Storge twice. Twice. Actually, it says in the last days this will happen in Romans 1. 29 to 31, this lack of family love. He says how that will go. 1, 29 to 31, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, evil things, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, in undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving. That unloving is storge. The natural love for one another, which is in a family, he says in the last days, it will die. That's why the Bible talks. Parents will betray children. Children will betray parents. Storge will vanish. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, again, the term that is used is storge. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, yeah, unloving. The unloving is, the word is used is storge. Because the most natural kind of love we expect this is in a home, in a family. The family relationship. And that's what we see in the world. Entire breakdown of families. You know why? Because storge also fails. So you see, all these three can be corrupted. And there is one fourth one which is incorruptible. Because it's not of man. It is not of man. It is of God. Everything else can go. The romantic the sexual eros, and you can see that in divorce courts, the hatred, the bitterness. You can see in family disputes, brother against brother over property and things. 
go it, go go for a toss. You can see if yesterday's friends who walked together, macha macha, brother brother, now like on two different camps, and you see all this happening because God says it will all fail. But agape, God says no, it cannot fail. That is what was First Corinthians chapter thirteen. We saw that earlier verse eight. Love never fails. It's neither eros nor philia nor storge. It is the love of God. It never fails. Simply because you and I cannot manufacture it. It is not natural. If you have to have it, you need to have the Holy Spirit. And to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. It is not of you. It is of God. Bible says, God is love. And over and over and over, it is agape. God is not eros. God is not philia. God is not storge. God is agape, which means a different kind of love altogether. And the one thing about agape is, agape can be chosen. Agape can be chosen. So when God says love, you can. Fall in love with that? No. Even when couples are struggling in their marriages, if they are believers, fall in love with your wife again. How do I do it? Agape your life, you can. And you will see it's more powerful than the other. And the other will be restored. You can. You can. That is something that can be chosen. Because it is not of you. You can choose it and then cry out to God, Lord, I need that power. And God will give it to you. And one of the primary manifestations of the filling of the Holy Spirit is not in gifts. Gifts is a different thing. It is in the loving of the unlovable. This is the fruit of the Spirit. That is why it is written, God is love. Not that God loves. You know why God loves? Because God is love. God loves because God is love. Why, why are all God's ways righteous? Because He is righteous. Why are all His, all His demeanor, everything holy? Because He is holy. And why is God able to love all of us? Because he is love. And God says, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is the prime manifestation. The body of Christ is ultimately marked out by that. And the devil knows that. The devil knows that. Agape gives beyond everything you can think or imagine. Because it is simply the indwelling power and the life of God through the Holy Spirit. So the greatest victory over the flesh is to live agape out. That's what, that's what the lawyer understood. What does the entire law mean? Love God, love man. What is that? Agape. That's why First Corinthians chapter 1 to 3 is so important. You can do all those things without agape. You can do all those things. You can gather or memorize the entire Bible without agape. And preach here all your life without agape. The Pharisees could do it. They were excellent preachers. That's why God said, listen to them. Don't be like them. One thing they don't have is God's love. Listen to them. Excellent teachers they are. Fantastic teachers they are. Listen to them. 
because you have learned from them. But what you will have is the power of God, and that power of God will put their theory into practice, because they don't have it. You can do everything, but if you do not have agape, God says, you are nothing. You are nothing. In John chapter 13 and verses 34 and 35, Jesus says something incredible. Remember I told you, 31, who leaves? Judas leaves. And then Jesus says, now I am glorified. 31. Okay, 32, 33. Two verses later, he tells them something. What does he tell them? As soon as Judas has gone, a new commandment I give you. That's not for him. That's not for him. He says, I'm giving you a commandment which is not there even in the Old Testament. The only new commandment in the entire new covenant. A new commandment I give you, which is not there in the Old Testament. This is a revelation for my 11 disciples. A new commandment I give it to you. That you love one another. How? As I have loved you. He says, this love has never been seen in, on earth. My love for you is the love of God for man. Mankind has never seen. But you have seen. The crowds haven't seen it. The Pharisees haven't seen it. You have seen it. How I have loved you these three and a half years. Now I'll give you a commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And it's all agape. He says, that's how they will know. You are my disciples. And why is it called a new commandment? Because before the Holy Spirit came, this was impossible. It was not possible. This was not possible. Holy Spirit had not been released. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. It's as simple as that. He says if you do not have agape, you're not born again. Because your very new birth is a result of God's agape for you. But you can choose it. You can be born again and keep choosing it every day and understand it and ask God. It's as simple as that. Remember we are looking at general today. We will look at specifics in the coming days. We want the power of the Holy Spirit. But we often mistake it for the gifts of the Spirit. Right? And Paul said that's good. Decide all these gifts. But that is not the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that was all there in the Old Testament. So what truly is the power of the Holy Spirit? It's the power to love as God loves. In Matthew 13 and verse 32, remember it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. 13, 32. Which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs. And becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. You know what this is? This is love. 30 fold, 60 fold, 100 fold. This is agape can increase and by the time it finishes in your life you realize you can love everybody, even the worst of your enemies. You really can. 
where Jesus began and where he ended. And God says, this is the proof. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit begins with what? With love. And in John chapter 50, verses 1 and 2, I am the wine and my father is the wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So what is the branch that takes away fruit? He says, all those who defy and negate the rule of love in the body of Christ, I take them out. It doesn't matter how good they are in other things. I take them out. Ultimately, I take them out. Because God is love. God is love. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and the fruit of the Spirit is, is love. He takes them away. And every branch that bears fruit, what is the primary fruit of the Spirit? It's love. He says, I prune, that it may bear, how does God prune somebody who is loving? He says, I will start sending you more and more and more unlovable people into your life, so that your love increases. I'll put you through. That's exactly what happened in Joseph's life. Each test, he had to encounter even more harsh people. But he remained the same. He only increased in his love. And the same thing with Jesus Christ too. When he says, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's what happened to the church. What happened to the apostles. So the question is, how do you walk in grace and truth? The greatest manifestation of grace is love. And that's what Ephesians 4.15 was talking about. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. And that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. If I have to grow, anyone has to grow into Christ, we have to grow in truth and in love. We have to grow in growth. That is what grace, Peter is saying, grow in grace. And grow, grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because fruitless life is not God's purpose for any child of God. In Luke chapter 13, verse 6 and 7, he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he kept seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? Why does it cumber up the ground? Why is it wasting ground? Why is it wasting the resources? And what was the fruit he was looking for? So we know about the fig tree he cursed from foot, sorry, root up it right. And who was the fruit tree? It was Israel. So what was Jesus looking for? He saw all the religious leaders. Everybody is attending synagogue. Everybody is memorizing the Torah. Everybody knows the Talmud backwards. But there is no love. Where is the fruit? Where is your fruit? No. Three years. Why are you wasting? Wasting. Where is the love in your life? Because the primary manifestation of the Spirit of God in somebody's life is that. It's love. And the Bible begins, not begins. The most important words we know is, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, 
And verse 8, it's again the loving God who is pleading with the Father God. He answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that you can cut it down. He says, Sir, three years have come. So the fourth year, he says, give it one more year. Otherwise, cut it down. And the fourth year of man is when Jesus comes. So God does not cut it down. He says, you will find one man who will love. And then after that, you will have a set of people through whom my Holy Spirit will teach them how to love. Okay, so don't cut it down. Don't cut it down. That's why we say we have to be careful because you can do everything, almost everything, and it's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can do everything. And these are the things after which the people in the church run after. If you go, let's go back and look at it in First Corinthians chapter 13 and verses 1 to 3. And we would be so, though I speak with tongues of men and angels. You know, that's what a lot of people still say, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. <laughs> speak in tongues. That's the main thing they want, speak in tongues. Because they think if I speak in tongues, it will edify myself. But God says, you see... That is not the most important part. You could speak in tongues, in hundred tongues, including angelic tongues and have human tongues also. But if you do not have love, you are just an empty vessel. I have the gift of prophecy. Boy, if you have the gift of prophecy, everybody will crowd around you. Can you please prophesy over me? Your prophecy could be absolutely on the spot. Understand all mysteries. The Bible just opens up for you like this. You now know how to crack the code. You have learned it. And have all knowledge. You have all faith where you can move mountains. You look at it. What the Bible is saying. You can have all this. And these are real things of the kingdom. Real manifestations of the power of the kingdom. You can have all these things. But not have not love. Meaning you can have all this without love. And God says, and in the end, when you stand before me, you will be still declared nothing. Declared nothing. So when Corinthians, Paul is again warning about, be careful about how you build. We do not build our life on prophecies. We do not build our life on tongues. We do not build our life on mysteries. We don't build our lives solely on faith. We build our lives primarily on God's love. And if we don't have it, it will not come through fire. It will not come through fire. Okay. And this is something which God is telling us. Because this should be the cry of the church. God has locked everybody down. Okay. They are saying they are not able to connect to the message this morning. Okay. Yeah. This is from US. Okay. Hmm? Okay. <clears throat> Anyway, you're recording it, no? It will be uploaded. Okay, we had this issue. Okay, but please remember this. You don't get this. The cry of the church, in the, that's what's happening. Even in the most Catholic of nations, that is Italy, the number of couples that have filed for divorce is skyrocketing. Because what this pandemic has proven is that every human love was false. It has failed. It's all fails. Families falling apart. Husbands wives falling apart. Friendship going for a toss. 
church is going for a toss. Everything is going. And God was saying that. I will shake everything that can be shaken. For you are give, you're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And if you look at the king, what cannot be shaken, what is that does not fail? Slow. Everything else will fail. The most prophetic of churches will also fail. But it says one thing that will not fail is a loving church. It will not fail. If it is God's love in that church that you have learned, and if you are a person who have understood and learned to walk in the love of God, you will not fail when the hour of testing comes. You will not fail. I always tell this story, you know, it's a story about the Holocaust. There was this family for a lot of people who are listening or listen later when it's uploaded. It will be a new story, but it's a real story that happened in the Holocaust when one entire Jewish family was taken. It's just a picture of like what I'm trying to tell. Okay. Picture of what was actually happening. This whole family, father, mother, and few children were taken into the Nazi camp. And there was one little fellow, I think Timothy or something was his name. I'm not very sure. Can't be Timothy, but I just would say Timothy was his name. He was a sickly kid. So the, the Nazi camp, they take you into different, different groups to work every day, depending upon your strength. And evening when they all come back, the first thing, the family all will gather. Where's mommy? Where's daddy? And they all come together. They hold hands and thank God for one more day. So every day they are thankful for one more day that day. Because if you are weak and sickly, then you are gone. They take you into the gas chamber and you are killed. So people keep disappearing, different groups, new people coming. So what happens is, one day the father comes, the elder son, the daughter, everybody is there. And the children are weeping. So he said, where is mommy? Where is mommy? Where is mommy? And where is Timothy? So they were sobbing. And they said, no, Timothy was sick today. So they came for Timothy today. And Timothy was very scared. Because by then the camp knew, when you go, you don't return. Was very scared to die. So he was crying and saying, Mommy, I'm very scared to die. So Mommy said, no problem, Timothy, I will come with you. So Mommy went with him to die. So Mommy and Timothy did not come back. That's why in the Song of Solomon it says, Love is as strong as death. Love is as strong as death. But in the new covenant, love is stronger than death. Stronger than death. And this is exactly what happened in the first century church. This is what happened. Everything, that's why it started in Jerusalem. Jerusalem people were there walking with their nose up because they were like blameless under the law. And then this church started. And they were looking at what did this church have that they did not have. And what they had, they had love. They had love. You couldn't take it from them. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14, you will see that's a test. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. How do you know? Jesus came to overcome death, right? We know we have passed from death to life. Which life? The death in this flesh resides in and resides death. How do we know we have passed over to the life of God? Because we love the brother. We love the brother. Okay, we love the body of Christ. We love the church. 
He who does not love his brother abides in death. I'm getting messages from all over, okay? Florida, New York, Middle East, everywhere. They're saying they are not able to connect. Anyway, it's over. I shall write to them. Look at that. This is where we are caught in. That is why scripture is very clear about the order it spoke. They came, they steadfastly gathered for the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Fellowship. You know what fellowship is? It's an outworking of love. The doctrine was connected with that. How do you how do you live together as God's family? You cannot have doctrine without fellowship. When there is no fellowship, that means there's, the doctrine is just empty drum. Nothing over there. Nothing over there. And that's that's the whole thing. We can be absolutely doctrinally sound as a church, and our hearts be empty. Hearts be empty. So God does not put prayer at the beginning. He says, doctrine, learn how to live, how how life will be in heaven. How life will be in heaven. A set of people who have the mind of Christ, they know truth, they have grown in the knowledge of God, they have grown in grace, and they love each other. Not that everybody is perfect. Not that perfection will be there, so it will be easier to love. But imperfect people living together as a family. Turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. 4. 1 John chapter 4. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. So Jesus said, abide in me. Abide in me. And I will abide in you. How do you abide in him? He says first, abide in my love, abide in my word. So it's again truth and love. It's again truth and love. Abide in who God is. Truth, the word of God, and abide in love. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now look at this, there are two things the Bible actually talks about, how we can be very confident about the day of the Lord. One is this, the other is, whoever has this hope purifies himself. That's the fear of the Lord. Because of the fear of the Lord, you purify yourself, you sanctify yourself, God's part, your part. You do your part, God will do his parts. You stay away from sin, you overcome sin every day. The second thing is that you love your brethren as yourself. And God says, then on the day of love, you have incredible confidence because both sides you have overcome. Not one side alone. Not one side alone. You have overcome. You have overcome. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. How did he walk on earth? As he is, how did he walk on earth? He overcame sin every day. And he loved us to the uttermost. So about his disciples is written, he loved them to the end. How he overcame on both sides. He overcame on both. He just loved. He just loved people. And it was the love of God flowing through him. It was not agape. It was not storge. It was not filia. It was not eros or anything. It was agape. He opened himself to Father and said, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit and love through me. He loved everybody. And even the first words of Jesus on the cross are words of love. Incredible kindness. Words. It's entirely, his life is dominated by it. And this is the thing that God has shut the church in. 
I believe one of the reasons. He says, when you come out, the church that will come out, which will be different, is a loving church. That 60 days, 80 days, 100 days, 120 days of lockdown didn't change anything for your love for one another. You loved only more and not less. Because we say all this word separation makes the heart grow fonder and all. He says, let me see if it is true about you. Let me see. Really. Do you love like that? Let me see. Because we do not hear the greatest test of faith. It's a test of love. Not the test of faith alone. There's a test of faith. There's a test of people. You never give up. Never gives up. Love never gives up. Faith can give up. Hope can fail. Love never gives up. And we need to ask ourselves, Lord, do I have that? And that's what Jesus was talking about. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Come to verse 18. There is no fear in love. Look at that. No fear in love. Why is there no fear? There is fear in Eros. There is fear in Philia. There is fear in Storge. There is no fear in Agape at all because you are loving, expecting nothing. That's God. And you know it's not you. Expecting nothing. Just simply love that person. And it's God loving through you. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Meaning he had to give us that love. Came from the Holy Spirit. And then we love him back that way with his own love. Because I cannot have any other love towards God. Like you have in many, many Hindu, this thing, songs and all about man and God and all eros. It's all eros. It's all eros. Eros will fail. Storge will fail. Philia will fail. All things that are going to fail. We love him because he first loved us. And look at verse 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. He says, you cannot have one without the other. If one is metaphysical, the other is physical. And they both go hand in hand. You love God and you love your brother. You love God and you love your brother. And that is how Jesus walked. When he said, I love my father, he loved the people too. He loved people too. For he who does not love his brother whom he he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? But this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So agape is a choice. You can make a choice. Lord, I choose to love that person. Now love him or her through me, Lord. And then truth will tell you what to do. What to do. Truth will tell you what to do. Truth will tell you tomorrow, after tomorrow, we will look at the nature of agape. Truth will tell you. Check it out. This is what agape does and this is what Storge won't. This is what Eros won't. Even if it does, it does not last because it's being worked out in the flesh. That's what Jesus was talking about. When he comes, you will receive power. When he comes, you will receive power. You know, agape was what that turned Jerusalem upside down. It turned Jerusalem upside down because the Jewish society who was built under the law had never seen anything like this. Absolutely never seen anything like that. They just simply couldn't believe what they were seeing and hearing. Because 3,000 strangers joined with 120 people and they became a family. And let's look at this. Acts 2 verses 42 to 47. 
Acts 2, 42 to 47. And they continued. These are the 3,000 3, who heard, who separated, who got baptized. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. See, the Holy Spirit is coming in. And what is coming first? Fear is coming upon every soul. So they keep away from sin. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostle. Gifts are operating. And then all who believed were together and had all things in common. How can strangers live like that? How can a bunch of strangers live like that? How do they live like that? Even families don't live like this. They fight over property. Fight over possessions and things. They all had things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. This is the Holy Spirit moving in them. Nobody had to tell them anything. Nobody had to tell them anything. The Holy Spirit was moving. Because love does it. Doesn't love do it? Love does it. Love gives. The love of God always gives. That's why scripture says, for God so loved, he gave. So you can give without loving. That is giving all your possessions. Okay? That is there. You can give without living. That is it. Not, not charity as in Greek charity, but a charity show. You can give without loving. That's more got to do with karma and reputation. Then you want selfies also. This is not talking about that. This is just natural outflow that it is the life of God flowing through and there is no fear. There is no fear. But this great love. Because if there is fear, then your love gets constrained. Oh, I have only this much. If I give, what will I happen? How will... Oh, that's fear. There is no fear. And yet you are filled with love. And they sold the possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continue daily with one accord. In the temple, breaking bread from house to house. If you suddenly landed up in any of the believers' house in Jerusalem, nobody said, oh, how did you all come? It's too late. There's no food in there. They all bothered about those things. Everybody got together. That's why I love small churches. No, the mission is very nice. You come in, okay. Some places you, you, you preach, then you eat. Some places you eat, then you preach. It's depending upon each this thing. But what happens, everybody's in the kitchen. Everybody's in the kitchen. 90% of the church is in the kitchen. Everybody is cutting, cleaning, washing, cooking, everything, and then everybody eats, everybody preaches. They, half of them sleep there, get up in the morning and go. And they live like that. And if you look them, they're all poor. <laughs> and you love being among them. You know, this is church. I'm not saying love is perfected among them. At least they have understood the basic concept about what the church is. No? And think about families like that, ten families like that, and the ten families make a church. And God says, you know what, when I look down, I'm tickled, pink, with your church. Because that's my life, that's my life. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. No? We have to ask for, when we ask from God, we have to ask for real things. Look at the fine, final words for today as I close. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31. Thank you Lord, the inverted lasted so long. 13, this is about gifts, the entire, sorry, uh, not 13, uh, 12, 31. 12 is entirely about the gifts and the last words. Honestly desire the best gifts, yet I show you a more, how can you have a more excellent way, good, better, excellent? 
but I show you a more excellent way. So he's actually consoling, okay? Some of you don't have gifts. Don't you bother. You can be better than all of them without any gift. Better than any of them. You know what? If you ask God, Lord, just love through me. Just love through me, Lord. Let me be a vessel of love. Because you see, everything is... See, we don't realize, people think ministry is a very difficult thing. Ministry is a difficult thing only in certain areas. Once you got the discipline, preaching a message is not difficult at all. For this entire thing, it took me only 45 minutes to put it together. So it's not a big thing at all. Once you have done your homework, the text just falls into place. It is not, it's not as difficult as people think to preach and all. It is not very difficult. It's very easy. You need the gift. And second, you need to know your word and you need to surrender before God. He puts it together. What is difficult is this. What is difficult is this. This is the most difficult thing. And this is the thing that God expects first from his children. The most excellent way. NIV actually, I think, uses the word most, I think. Right? <laughs> Let me see what NIV says. The most excellent. The most excellent. Okay, NKJV says more. NIV translators were not satisfied. They wanted the most excellent. way. Because more would mean there is most also. There is nothing, <laughs> nothing better than most. The most excellent way. And this is entirely the work of the Holy Spirit. Entirely the work of the Holy Spirit. And God is telling us, you know what? Do you know what is a perfect man? A perfect woman? A perfect church? He'll say, yeah, the teaching is fantastic. God says, no. They manifest all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God says, no. All gifts? No. Then, which overcomes sin and loves to the uttermost. Fear of the Lord and the love of God balances two sides of the whole things. And because you have the fear of the Lord, he who has this hope purifies himself. Hope of what? Waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ. And second thing, when love is perfected in you, you are also waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ. When you have this both, there is no fear. Of the pandemic or pestilence or locusts that have reached Maharashtra. All these things are right before our eyes. Everything is before our eyes. Happening before our eyes. Epidemic and locusts and famine. and Everything is before our eyes. But God says, are you focused on that? Or are you focused on what? Two things that really, really matter in the kingdom of God. Two things that matter in the kingdom of God. As I was, so are we. He says, do you know how I walked on earth? I came in the likeness of sinful flesh. And I condemned sin in the flesh. I overcame sin in the flesh. How? Because of the fear of God. That is one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We know from Isaiah 11.3. He delighted in the fear of the Lord. He had all the other gifts of power, knowledge, wisdom. I'm not talking about that. He said, you know what? I loved you till the end. I loved till the end. Every one of them. Everyone who came into contact with me, I loved you. I never compromised on truth with any one of you. But I loved you to the uttermost. Now he says, that's my body on earth. Work in those things. Two things. Work on these two things. And even if you have no other gifts, don't worry. Gifts he will give you. You can't have this both and not have gifts. He will give you. But even if you have no gifts, if it's a small little rural church with 50 people, they don't have any of these gifts. And in so many ways, they don't need the gifts also. But they have these two. It's a powerful testimony. That's how our churches around the world are. Powerful testimonies 
unbelievably powerful testimonies. People who literally more than the book of Acts gave up everything and took care of others and taking care of others. And they love each other. And God says personal, family, church. This is how it works. This is the kingdom of God. This is the power he was talking about, which you don't see in the old covenant. That it simply did not have that power to love like that. You'll have some of the possibilities like Moses and all that. But a whole community love like that? No. You'll have a David or a Elijah or a Elisha or a Moses. Random examples. But an entire community rise like that? Impossible. Impossible. But in the new covenant, it is the mark. It is the mark. It is the mark. And that's what changed the, the apostles even. The apostles will say, you know what, we, we left everything to follow you. But even then they did left everything, but they had not denied themselves. It was still self-love that caused them to leave. But agape denies the self also. Denies the self also. So we have to ask ourselves these questions, the real, real questions. Because in these kind of situations, all these things are exposed. In our own hearts, it is all exposed. Okay, difficult people are there. Yes. You have to deal with them in the truth. But you have to, you cannot stop loving them. You have to keep loving them. You have to keep loving them. That's why the first, we'll look at it next time we meet, God willing, is love is, suffers long. Meaning, you're going to be put among a set of people in families and in the churches. So difficult people because they all got in saved yesterday. Some are saved, some are semi-saved, some are not even saved. They just like the church, they come over there. Some you can use, some use you. All these people will be there. All kinds of people will be there. But God says love suffers long. And yet is kind. The first thing mentioned, suffers long. Yet is kind. As I close, let me give you uh, il- real life illustration. I forgot that man's name. He was a pastor and a very famous columnist. So one day, a lady, because he gives so much advice on TV and all that, on newspaper and all, a lady came to him and said, I hate my husband. I really, really hate my husband and I want to divorce him. But not only do I want to divorce him, I want it to give him maximum pain as possible. I want it to be a bitter end. I want to give it back to him. You know, that happens, this, all these erotic marriages. But there is no agape, no kindness at all. Bitter, nasty. I want to really give it back to him. This is the suggestion he gave. He said, Madam, this is what you do. You really, really want to hurt him? I'll tell you. For two months, do this. You go back and pretend. Be very nice to him. Very kind to him. Only edify him. Only speak to him. Do all good things for him. Cook his favorite meals. Do everything. The best you can, do it. And at the end of one month or two months, when he's crazily in love with him, he's in love with you, tell him I'm divorcing you. That's how you put the knife in and turn it around. And he was very smart. He was a very wise man. One month later, two months later, there is no call. Two months later, he called her up and said, Madam, what happened about your divorce? He said, what divorce? I'm crazily mad in love with him and he is in with me. Because they discovered agape. Love does things without expecting anything back. 
And when you start doing it, you realize the love of God starts flowing through you. Human love is always based on expectations. This, at the end, it fails. It changes its nature. It has certain power to go for a law. After that, the power also dies. And God says, that is not agape. The power the church received on the day of Pentecost was agape. And the whole world looked around and said, boy, these people, that's this one repetitive word you hear in human history. They kept on saying, boy, these people love each other. Boy, these people love each other. Boy, people, one thing about strangers, okay, I don't know how much true in reality it is. One thing about strangers who are, who has come to a church, come for two Sundays and gone and says, one thing your church is very, very loving. Though I know it's not truly 100% or 50% true, but for them who are coming out of a church where there is no real, real this thing about love at all, when they come to our church, they say, your church is very loving. It's true. And I know much of it is caused by my wife. Because you can't beat her in that. She's just simply loving. If anybody can really live with my mother and be unbelievably kind, continuously, non-stop, it has to be agape. Because my mother is a difficult person. She's not a bad person. She's a very difficult person. When they grow old, they become more difficult and more stubborn if God doesn't change them. That's why God says change when you can. Because if you don't, you become Words as you grow older, that old habits get stubborn and rock hard like that. But you know what? She kills her with love every day. Kills her with love every day. And she suffers long. And she's very kind. And these 67 days was really difficult for her. I just kept my mouth shut because I wasn't there either. Really, really. I on top of that heat. But you know, she just knows how to make a way through it. And it just comes to her naturally. This comes, flows through her. Now she's not listening because I know the system is down. So it's okay. I'm not flattering her or anything. But she's talking about the truth. No, because we all have difficult people in our lives. But the question is, how do you do it? How do you do it? And you will realize, when you realize the standard God has set for perfection, you will run to God and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I want truth. I want love. I want to walk the truth in love. Otherwise, I'm just an empty vessel. And I don't want to be an empty vessel. I want to be a full vessel. A clean vessel, a full vessel, and a vessel of honor. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We just commit ourselves into thy hands, O Lord. In so many ways, we struggle with this one commandment you gave the church. You gave only one commandment that was absolutely, totally new. You didn't tell us to love one another. You told us to love one another as the way you loved us. And that's some completely new, Lord. The world had never experienced love like that. The love of God for man through his son, Jesus. And you're not expecting anything less from any one of us. And when you look at it, we know without your spirit, it is impossible. Impossible. Therefore, Father, we pray during this season, as we wait, as we cry out to you, you will fill us with more and more and more of your spirit. That we truly are able to love each day as you love us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. To that end, we just commit ourselves, Lord. Just one prayer request. Baptize us with your love. And let it overflow. 
that even if we are never known as a gifted person, eloquent person, smart person, good, anything else, let us be known as loving people, kind people. That's who you are. God is love. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.